Okay, we're reflecting on Advent at the moment because that's the, just the time in the church year we're at. Um, and um, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that as a society, we're not very good um, at waiting. Uh, we live in the world of the instant. Um, kind of the austerity, I think, has changed our attitude to credit, hasn't it? I suspect most of us are kind of much more reluctant to borrow than we kind of we than we used to be. But kind of there used to be that kind of attitude of buy now and pay later. You kind of see it a bit still in the advertising, but we've kind of pulled back from it. But that all kind of comes out of that desire for things to be instantaneous. And this is where we get into Chris's confession time. One of Carol's chief complaints about me um, is that I kind of go on Amazon and I see something um, and I just buy it. Now, I don't know if that's a, a, an issue in any other marriages around here. I'm sure it's, it's not. Uh, and, and she would kind of make a point, why did you buy that? You could have put it in your wish list and the children could have got it for you for Christmas or for your birthday or, or kind of something like that. And the trouble with the internet is it kind of makes everything potentially instantaneous. I see it, I order it, and with Amazon Prime, it's on my doorstep kind of the next day. Um, and, I, and I'm just not personally very good at waiting. Anyone else got that problem around here? Am I the only one? Uh, 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 I, I would be really careful at not pointing at wives or husbands at this juncture. It's a dangerous thing to do if you want your Sunday lunch. Um, and if anything kind of exemplifies that, I think it's our attitude to Christmas and the fact that we aren't good at waiting for Christmas. Uh, I actually think we could learn something from children. Um, you know, ours are very grown up, but I can still remember that kind of stage when they kind of get into December and it's almost like they're kind of so excited about Christmas that they're going to burst and they can't wait for it to happen. You know, and it's that whole kind of thing of Christmas morning and the unwrapping and kind of the, the living with that and the waiting and knowing that you've got to wait. And I had a conversation with Hannah in the office and apparently Zara said, I just wish it could be Christmas Day today. And then Zara said, but you'll miss out on, Hannah said, but you'll miss out on all the stuff in between. I think Chris, kids are much more about it. But actually in adult life, it feels like kind of Christmas has begun at, well, I don't know when Christmas begins. We kind of bemoan all the Christmas stuff appearing in the supermarkets the moment that the Halloween stuff has been taken off the shelves. But actually, I think we get drawn into this whole thing about Christmas becoming earlier and earlier and earlier. Um, Kind of, it's almost impossible not to be drawn into it. And kind of church, as church we do as well. I can remember when we wouldn't have put decorations up in church until kind of like the week before Christmas Day. Um, but actually, if we're going to connect with culture and run things like the Christmas event, kind of you do Christmas stuff earlier and earlier um, and earlier. Um, kind of in popular culture, kind of it's like we celebrate Christmas, all the office parties, all of the kind of things we do in the run-up to Christmas... And it's almost like Christmas is over, kind of Boxing Day or the day after, um, because we've done all the celebrating beforehand. Whereas actually, technically, Christmas begins on Christmas Day, and it's then the next 12 days that's actually Christmas. Um, but we kind of do all of our Christmas stuff in December, and in the run-up to it, 
which is kind of really Advent, not Christmas. Um, so kind of, you know, we're reminded at the beginning of this service when we lit those candles that this is Advent, it's not Christmas. And it seems to me the whole idea of Advent doesn't necessarily fit well with modern culture. And it doesn't fit well with modern culture because Advent is all about waiting. This is just a definition. It's a season observed by the church as a time of expectant waiting and preparation for the birth and the celebration of Jesus' nativity um, and also looking to his return. Um, kind of, it comes from the Latin word meaning coming. Um, and, so, and, and kind of this whole idea, we don't like waiting for anything. I don't like waiting for anything. Just recently, we went up to see a photography exhibition, and I came back and said, I can't resist it. I bought the catalogue, and Carol said, why didn't you just wait for Christmas, you know? And I, and I don't like waiting. Um, and the whole idea of Advent, having a season which is all about us stopping and waiting rather than having what we want immediately is kind of foreign to us. Now, we had a, a bit of an interesting experience last weekend. I've got some slides. I don't know where I am in them, actually. <laughs> PowerPoint. Sorry, Tom. be really good if you could find them. That's great. Good. Um, and um, I, I don't even... I, um, I, I'm getting ready for the next one, so hold. Um, Kind of, we spent last weekend, many of you will know, in Munich with our son, um, or sort of with our son. Um, kind of, it's become a bit of a O.O. Wicks family tradition. Um, it, the first Sunday of, um, first weekend of, of December is normally Carol's birthday weekend. Um, and so, kind of, it's nice for us to be as family, to be together. Um, and so, kind of, we kind of converge on Daniel in Munich. means that we can kind of have family time, we can celebrate Carol's birthday. And we all get to do it with the kind of the, the German Christmas markets as the backdrop to that. And you would think with so much emphasis on Christmas at the Christmas markets, there wouldn't be any room for Advent. But what really struck me when I was out there both last year and this year is actually how much, despite all of this Christmas stuff that's all around, how much Advent is a part of everyday life in Germany in a way that it's not over here. Um, so kind of, if you, go to, if you go to a restaurant, can I have the next slide? Oops. Okay, missed that one. Keep going. <laughs> um, if you go, all right, okay, that's church. We've got, that's our Advent ring. That's their Advent ring. Um, you can kind of just about work it out how big it is by the side of the steps below. Uh, I'm not quite sure how kind of um, Finley and Neve would have got up there to light the candles um, if that had been our Advent ring. But it's not just in church that they do more of Advent. If you go to a restaurant, next slide, every restaurant you go into, in the centre of a table, in the heart of a restaurant, is an Advent calendar or a wreath and, and, a, and a, where they're lighting candles each one. If you go to the markets, as well as kind of Christmas stuff, wherever you go, there's Advent rings. And it feels like celebrating Advent is as much a part of what's going on um, as celebrating Christmas. They seem to be able to do both side by side. 
And I just found this, there just may be something in that. Um, because there's a kind of, there's a bit of a paradox about this whole thing, isn't it? Advent, can we jump back two slides? Thanks. Thanks. Advent means arrival. Um, it's, it's, it kind of comes from this Latin word, aventus. It means coming or arriving. It's about the arrival of someone that is notable. And kind of, and kind of in kind of the church year, it is all about, it's, it's kind of, it's got two aspects. Uh, it looks back to the birth of Jesus. Uh, and it looks forward to kind of, to when he's returning. And so kind of, it's about celebrating what God has already done. But doing it in, in kind of with kind of one look to the future with a sense of kind of needing to be ready for when he returns. And I just found myself kind of thinking about this because there is a paradox about that, isn't there? That in Advent, we celebrate something and we look towards something that's already happened. We're looking, we're preparing for the birth of Jesus and of course our Saviour has already entered the world 2,000 years ago. He's already shared our humanity. He's already died for us. He's rose, risen again, and he's alive. And the reality is, the one we are preparing to celebrate coming into the world, well, we believe he lives in our hearts when we put our trust in him, don't we? That he lives in us by his spirit. So kind of there's this sense that we are, we are looking to his coming when we live in the light of the fact that he's already come. We wouldn't be here today if he hadn't already come. Um, kind of, we're reminded, though, of the need to be ready for his return. Is that kind of, is that kind of, you know, when we talk about the kingdom, we talk about the now and the not yet, that somehow we participate in what God is doing eternally now, but we wait for the consummation of it, the ultimate reality of it, when Jesus returns, or when we kind of, when we go to be with him, if we die before that, that's the Christian hope. Um, and, and it feels to me like it's not so much not celebrating Christmas. Um, I think that kind of in the world in which we live, to say, oh, we shouldn't celebrate Christmas because it's not Christmas yet, just turns us into some kind of, sort of, kind of Christian gringe or killjoy, if that makes sense. It's, it's not about not celebrating Christmas, but it's about entering into Advent too taking time um, alongside celebrating to stop um, and to prepare and to look within and to kind of be ready, not just to celebrate his birth, but to be the sort of people that are ready um, for when he returns. Um, and kind of, um, let's just kind of pick up on this passage that Joe very kindly read for us. It may seem a really strange passage to be reading in the run-up um, to Christmas. But we've kind of been taking this theme of ready, steady, go for kind of our Advent talks um, this year. Uh, and last week, um, kind of M was talking about the parable of the bridesmaids. Uh, it's the parable that immediately precedes this one in Matthew's Gospel. And, and there are three parables. The parable of the bridesmaids, the parable of the talents... Um, and next week of the sheep and the goats. They're all stories that Jesus told in the last week of his life, which kind of, it's a bit of funny timing really, but they're all about kind of the end of the world, about judgment, about what's going to happen in the future. Um, and it's like Jesus waits to the last week of his life 
to share the really serious stuff, the really challenging, the really heavy stuff. But actually they focus us on that Advent theme, not just as of Jesus' birth, but of Jesus' return. Um, and kind of the bridesmaids is all about being ready, having the, the kind of the wicks and the... Ca- and, sorry, not us, but the wicks in their lamps are light. Yeah, okay, okay. And as soon as I started saying it, I knew that that would be worth a snigger amongst some of you. Um, but this passage reminds us we can't just passively wait. Um, waiting isn't enough. Action is required. There's a need for activity. And the passage hangs, hinges on coming and on going. It begins with a man going on a journey. Um, and kind of there are so many echoes here of what's going to happen at the end of Jesus' life. When he, in, yeah, when he, in his last words to his disciples, says, I'm leaving you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going somewhere better so that you can join me in the future. This man goes on a journey, but also he returns from the journey. And Advent is all about that kind of recognition. Yes, we're looking forward to Jesus' birth. But as we look forward to celebrating that, we also look forward to the fact that he's going to return. Uh, And we want to be people that are ready for that and live our lives kind of in the light of this. And so when the man leaves, he kind of entrusts his business to his servants. So um, come to the next slide. Um, Sorry, yeah, I've just come up with it all up completely, haven't I? Thanks, Tom. Um, I had a bit of a panic because when I kind of, I I prepare out of one Bible and I preach out of another one. I preach out of this one because it's got very large print and at my age that's kind of helpful. And then you read it and you suddenly discover that the translation's slightly different. So in mine it says bags of gold, but I've been preparing and it had been saying talents all the way through. Thankfully, Joe read the right version. Thank you so much. It was the one, well, I'm very glad because the whole thing falls apart otherwise. Never mind. Um, A talent um, was originally a measure of weight. You, You weighed something and it was so many talents in weight. Um, But often what you were weighing was valuable. So it became more than a measure of weight. It became a measure of value. And it it kind of took on a monetary value. So in Jesus' day, um, a talent has become a a measurement of wealth and of value. And we're talking lots of money. We're not talking about small change or a day's earnings. We're talking about thousands and thousands of pounds. This master is entrusting a huge amount of wealth into all of his servants' hands. Even the one that gets one talent is being given thousands of pounds in terms of value. Um, And of course, it just shows you how things form us because the word talent comes into... um, kind of our language, and we wouldn't have shows like Britain's Got Talent if it wasn't for this parable. You do realise that we, you know, that Simon Cowell needs to kind of come back and thank Jesus for this parable, because without it, we wouldn't have the word talent. It comes into our language, and we use it not just for monetary value, we use it for a different sort of worth. We use it for the kind of the gifts, or the abilities, or the strengths that people have. You know, we talk about people being talented. 
you know, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, the parable also talks about the people this t- these talents are given to, to servants. Uh, it's kind of interesting because it says servants. That's the polite way of putting it. To be honest, they probably would have been slaves. Um, kind of, they would been, you know, they would have been there to do their master's bidding. What's interesting is we might think of a slave in a completely negative way, someone that's owned by someone else, and they wouldn't have control over their own lives. But actually, slaves were given huge authority by their masters. They were almost virtually their kind of business partners. More of that in a moment. Um, And then finally, we have the return of the master. Go to the next slide. And And the return of the master, the coming of the master brings about a time of reckoning. And so in a way, this parable comes with a bit of a warning for us. Kind of, it's not just, you know, the challenge about how we live is in the light that Jesus is going to return and one day he's going to ask an account for our lives. Um, and um, kind of, it, it talks about a reckoning. The, re- the servants are required to give an account of what they've done and what they've been given. Uh, and it's a challenge to us to think about kind of what we've been given um, uh, and what we've done with it. It may be monetary wealth that we may be fortunate to have, but probably that's not the case for most of us. It more, might much be much more about our talents, the skills we have, um, our giftings. It may be about the relationships we have, um, you know, the things that God has given us. You know, how have we, what sort of stewards have we been at those? And kind of, because, the, you know, because one of those kind of um, servants gets ripped off a bit, it would be easy to look at this negatively. Uh, what will happen when we stand before Jesus or his throne, we need to look at it positively. Um, this is about a partnership that we're invited to share in. Um, and this will probably be a divisive thing to ask. Any Apprentice fans here? Anyone like watching The Apprentice? Well, there's a few of you that are. I confess, I love The Apprentice. I can't believe how stupid they are. Or is it just me? You know? Even if you don't, even if you don't watch it, you know the premise of the show. Kind of, we start with all these arrogant young men and women that think that they're kind of God's gift to business and that they are going to, you know, they're going to rock the world. And you watch them dissolve visibly on screen as they as they as they are proven to be totally inept. Um, and there's been, and if you haven't seen it, you know, since the early editions, the big shift in recent years has not just been a monetary prize. But the winner gets to be Alan Sugar's apprentice. And this is about the heart of what I'm saying. You know, they start with 12 of them. I can't remember, really. They've been dropping like flies. We're down to the last five. It's the final coming up in two weeks' time. I'm excited. Um, But only one of them gets to be Alan Sugar's apprentice. Uh, And kind of what this parent passage point paints for us with kind of this master giving these servants these kind of these talents you know ten five one um, it points to them being invited into partnership with the master Uh, and that's kind of the picture that I want to kind of to give to you today Um, but kind of there's only one on, on the apprentice only one person gets to be Alan Sugar's partner 
but actually God is inviting every one of us into a partnership with him. Every one of us, he's investing in our lives and he wants us to be using what he's invested in our lives for his kingdom. Um, and kind of we're invited to share in a partnership with him. Okay, I'm drawing it coming into land. What stops us? And I think kind of what stops us is what we see in the passage here when this one servant is kind of ripped off because um, he's, um, you know, he, you know, he's completely bottled it. He's buried his talent rather than doing something with it. Isn't it amazing how all of these phrases have kind of come into our language, buried his talent. Um, and kind of, and you can see he's got a negative view of his master. And I think at times we have a negative view of God. We kind of see God as being down on us and kind of it, it makes us recoil. Could you have the next slide? Thanks. I don't know if you remember this when I was talking about the wall. I got really quite excited about this. I still have. It kind of charts a little bit of a, of a kind of a life's journey for kind of stages of faith. It starts with the top and it's probably quite hard to read, but I'll just kind of take you through it. Kind of, we, you know, we discover faith, we become a Christian. Kind of, our life is kind of set alight by kind of, of, kind of, you know, who God is and what that difference that makes. And kind of, there's a real excitement when we first come to faith. And, and kind of, that leads into us wanting to be more like him and wanting to learn more about him. And so kind of, the next stage of having become a Christian is we want to know more about God. And that's kind of described as the discipleship stage. It's all about learning. And as we start to learn more about God... Kind of one of the things is we start discovering that he's given us these talents and we want to use them. That becomes kind of about the serving stage in life. It says the active life there, stage three. Uh, and then when I was talking a few, well, a couple of, six weeks ago, two months ago, about the wall, I said then, then the problem comes in when stuff goes wrong in our lives. Kind of, you know, we face disappointments. People we love die um, or we face suffering in our own lives. Um, and it's like we hit this wall, and when we hit that wall, where is God? It feels like God isn't there. Our, and our view of God starts to change. We start to, we, there's a danger that we can start seeing God um, in a negative way. And that gives us two choices. We either kind of turn our back on our faith, and our faith journey ends there. Actually, probably three st 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 three choices, actually. Or we press through that wall. Uh, and we come out the other side, changed people. Um, it takes us into a journey inward when we look inside ourselves and we discover new depths to our relationship with God. It takes us to a journey outward when we, when we as changed people start to live different sorts of lives. And, kind of, and, and so this circle goes on. I, I just say there's, a, yeah, there's this choice. We either go through the wall and we're changed by it or we kind of stop and we give up our faith. Or we just, and I think there is a third choice, we, don't, we kind of grudgingly hang on to God because we know there isn't anywhere to go, but we just gradually turn bitter and twisted about it. Now, um, I, I found that really fascinating when I saw it, because it gave, you know, in nearly 30 years of ministry, more than 30 years of ministry, it kind of gave me answers to questions I had about kind of, you know, how we respond when stuff goes wrong in our lives, and Thinking about my own story, as you know, I could see the relevance of that. And kind of this is painted as a bit of a picture of the Christian journey. 
kind of you know, a circle that we work our way through. I think it's not just a circle, it's a cycle. We kind of, we kind of, we kind of go into it when we become Christians and we go through it. But actually, I think we continue to keep going round that circle. Um, and actually, as we go round it, we have choices. And this kind of stuff about talents and about partnership with God is at the heart of this. Um, you know, do we kind of give up on that partnership with God when we hit the wall? Um, or do we come back stronger into that partnership with God as we kind of go through that and as we grow in him? And that's why I think things like Advent are important. Things like Advent are about us stopping in that circle and looking within um, and discovering where God is in our lives and in the circumstances of our lives. And sometimes that's in a joyous place because we're in a good place in our lives. But sometimes it's in a painful place because our lives are characterized by brokenness at that time. It's about stopping and looking in. And, and that's the problem, isn't it? That kind of not only is waiting unpopular in the world in which we live, we want everything to be instantaneous, but also so is pain and suffering. We want that removed from us immediately. We want that to be instantaneous as well. Well, actually, sometimes it's part of the journey of what God is doing in our lives. And so really, I'm just as I come into land, I just really want to ask the question. Can we make use of Advent um, as a time to look within? To reboot, if you like, um, our relationship with God, our faith. Um, I kind of, I've been looking at using a different Bible reading plan um, kind of in Advent, just to kind of look at faith in a different way, just to do something different and make me think about God in a different way. I've also looked at trying to do different things in my life in Advent, and one of the things I'm doing in Advent is just taking a picture every day. Um, just kind of, you know, what are you... you know, how can we look within ourselves and see what God is doing in this Advent season as we prepare for Christ Christmas? Um, and as we look within, there's a bigger question. And it comes back to this whole idea of being in partnership with God. You know, is Advent a time that can kickstart a new business venture for us with God. And I'm not meaning go and start a new business like Ed did this time last year. It might be that's the case. Um, Ed will give you advice on that, I'm sure. Uh, but, 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 but actually it's about how does God want to use the talents that he's given me? How, does, how do I participate in what God is doing um, out of the person that he's made me to be and the gifts and the abilities that he's given me to be? Am I using those gifts and abilities for his kingdom? And I don't mean, are you using them in church? This might be to do, nothing to do with church. It might be to do with something completely different in your life. You know, kind of, kind of what, where are you in this partnership with God that he is offering you? How are you using the talents that he's given you? Amen.